welcome to season two of the AFCA podcast we like to call, That's a Terrible Idea, When Do We Start? I'm your host, Jen Panatoni, who will be joined by our executive director, Tanya Weaver. Join us every other week as we tell stories, talk about places we've been, things we have seen, and all while simultaneously running a small charity that's making a big difference in the lives of children with AIDS. Thank you for being with us here today. Here we go. I was on the AFCA website the other day doing what marketers do, and I noticed in our <laughs> programs that we we offer period kits. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty important stuff. How did we get into that? Can you explain to me the story behind that? Yeah, sure. It. So in our warehouse, as you know, when you came over, we have a load of medical supplies and school supplies and all sorts of things that we send to our partners, right? Like clinics and hospitals and schools, right? So we have things right. from beds and walkers and incubators for babies. <laughs> I wish we need a whole right. bunch more donated. I tell you that. But yeah, maternity yeah. stuff, like all sorts of things, right? And we pack them up and we send them to the hospitals and clinics. Well, we sent also, there was a time when we did a lot of rolled bandages. So people would donate sheets, use sheets that they didn't need anymore. And we would rip them into strips. And this very specific four inch strips, they get ripped up and then they get sewn together at the ends. And you have this long, long strip of cotton because that's what most sheets are made of. And then we would roll them up and pack them very tightly and send them to hospitals and they would use them as bandages. And so we sent quite a few to a hospital in Uganda. And when we went to go do an audit to see how things were going, we noticed two things. One, bandages were not in the hospital, only some of them were. And two, the school next door had a huge increase in attendance of school by girls. So it's like, so two things that we just didn't even put together until we asked. And we said, so, hey, what's going on with the bandages? We don't see them all inventoried here. And they said, oh, no, the headmaster of the school next door saw these bandages. And he asked if he could have a bunch of them. He took them. And it's a guy, which I think is phenomenal. He took them. And they, instead of using them as bandages, they folded them into... I, don't, I think it was seven layers. I don't know. It was very specific. And they were used as pads for the girls. And as soon as they started doing that, the girls were able to stay in school. So we talked about it. And it was like, wait a minute. What is keeping girls from school? Is it their dad saying that they are not important enough? Which is what I hear a lot. You know, like people say, oh, well, you know, people don't want girls to be educated. And I'm sure that happens somewhere and in a lot of places. And, you know, girls are kept at home to clean and to help with laundry and food gathering. Domestic duties. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also the part of biology. They get their period. They have nothing to use. So they stay home. And so they miss three to five days of school per month. Add that to a year and they've missed a lot of schooling and fallen behind. So we found out that some of the girls were using corn co uh, cobs. Some were using dried manure. 
some were using leaves, some are using old rags, you know, using whatever they could have to stop the flow of blood. And that way they wouldn't be, you know, going to school and being embarrassed. Imagine you are 14 years old and you're bleeding and you're embarrassed and the boys are making fun of you. You don't have a parent who's sitting there giving, encouraging you or helping you out because you're an orphan. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that are happening or you do have parents, but they can't afford pads. Who can afford pads when you're trying to eat? So once we realized that these people were being amazing in trying to help themselves using these, what was supposed to be rolled bandages, we contacted another group called Days for Girls and asked them if we could talk to them and if we could borrow their patterns. And I met with them in Uganda and we got permission to do so. And we started making our own. So we have volunteers to do that. And we talked to girls and we showed them, you know, two, three different types of pad kits that I have seen. And they selected this specific one. And they, they really, really love them. So we have different people in different parts of the country that will put the shields together and others will do the liners. Some people will put the snaps on. Some people will help us buy the underwear. We usually do the purchasing of the soap and plastic bags that are included. There was a little old lady who used to make all of the bags that they go in. And then we have volunteers put them all together and we send these packs, pad kits off to the different programs that we help, hospitals, so that moms who just gave birth can actually have as well because they bleed more than normal. Girls who are now working and they don't wanna miss work, they get their pad kits. And we're teaching girls how to make their own in the tailoring places that we support because they will have work for the rest of their lives. Everybody needs a pad kit. So yeah, that's the story. Right. And when you, when people make them themselves, then it's a more sustainable program. Like you said, it provides jobs and makes the community self-sufficient in regards to period care and then being able to educate girls and give them work. I mean, that's just a double blessing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it's super sweet. Like I have gone to places and I teach them how to use these things. And I've stood up like on a desk and there's 200 girls sitting there and they are mortified that here is this woman we don't really know standing on a desk holding underwear and she says the word period and they want to die because 13 year old girls are the same around the world and they're giggling when I show them how to use them and I tell them why I'm there that they're each going to get their own package I think I have a video somewhere that I have to find for you they start screaming and yelling and dancing and hula hopping. And they are so excited because they know it's going to change them. I've had moms come over and say, I have four girls. I had no idea how we were going to get them through adolescence. How in the world were we going to be able to do this? And she's like, now you've given us hope. They can go to school. They can get educated. They can get a job. And I'm thinking it's a pad kit. Yeah. But it's so that, awesome. That and, is I mean, awesome. Components in there that is hard to find in your average village. 
So we try to provide that, like the snaps and the waterproof cloth that we use. That's harder to, to get there. But yeah, otherwise, it, it's a great project. It really is. It's just part of what we do. So it's not obviously huge part of what we do, but it is a very important part. Yeah. Right. Affording an opportunity for girls to continue to be educated is something that is at the, the basis of sustainability. I had the opportunity to speak with one of our program partners, James, who is visiting the U.S. He's here for a United Nations summit. And so he was able to stop by and talk to us a little bit about how these period kits have impacted his programming. And so I'll let you hear what he has to say. I have with me here, James Gondway. That's correct. Yeah, so James, you're a partner to the American Foundation for Children with AIDS and you work for the Center of Youth and Development. Can you explain a little to me what your mission is at the organization? Thank you so much. So I work with the Center for Youth and Development and uh, our mission is to try to provide opportunities for children and young people to be able to develop their fullest potential uh, regardless of status. So be that they are boys or male or boys or females, be that they're coming from poor backgrounds. But I think overall, we are aiming at providing everyone, no matter what uh, they're going through, an opportunity to be able to develop uh, to their fullest potential. And how long have you guys been doing this? So the organization was founded in 2012. So this is an exciting moment, especially this year, considering that we're clocking our 10th anniversary. Wow, congratulations. That's awesome. And how are, like, so what are some of the main programs that you guys run there at the center? So our core programs are mostly aimed at increasing opportunities or expanding opportunities for children and youth. And most of these interventions would be in the education sector, where we are providing bursaries or working with the teachers to, to, to provide trainings for the teachers in digital pedagogy or gender inclusive pedagogy or general pedagogy approaches. And then we work with the students themselves in terms of life skills training, leadership training, but also digital literacy training. And then on the other hand, we are also working with the communities, young people and the communities where the main interest is to try to provide trainings in uh, in entrepreneurship, you know, sustainable livelihoods, where we work with the parents and families that they're able to provide for their children. And then in general, we also try to address some of the challenges, some of, you know, the social or cultural beliefs that in a way does affect children and people's participation in, in, in education, but also affects their future potential in a way. So those are the core programs that we work across. We have got deliberate interventions across that aim at promoting girls and women as well. So maybe specific interventions that like we've got village savings and own approach that specifically targets women. We've got girls only, you know, clubs that we, 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 we implement in schools. All those are deliberate efforts just to make sure that girls are provided and women are provided with opportunities. 
Great. That's amazing. So can you explain maybe a little bit about the genesis of your work with AFCA, your partnership there? How did you and, and the American Foundation for Children with AIDS partner up? Yeah, so the, the main thinking is, uh, as I've mentioned, our, our main work is ensuring that everyone does have access and Part of that, children, but also young people who actually are living with HIV and AIDS or have been affected by HIV and AIDS. So our work with the AFCA is ensuring that we are able to reach out to that particular group. Of course, not only really singling them out to say, okay, we're reaching out because of this, but I think right. being provided as a greater group, as a larger group, but ensuring that that support is specifically also targeting that particular group so that, as we've indicated, they are as anyone else and have got an opportunity to be able to, you know, thrive and develop their fullest potential. So our work started around 2019, and then we we're just talking in general about partnership where we can be able to work on, you know, various, you know, interventions that AFCA is trying to implement. I, I noticed they've got live road interventions, they, you've got interventions that are focused on, you know, provision of access to health care, you've got bursary programs as well. So I think you've got various programs that you're able to do, which we felt that are able to align to what we do as an organization, especially that we are targeting that particular special group. So in that thinking, the same year, 2019, Tanya reached out and indicated to say, James, there is a possibility that we can be able to support your organization with, you know, medical supplies. So would you be able to accept a donation of medical equipment and supplies that we can be able to ship over to your country, but you'd have to be responsible for all the in-country logistics and uh, distribution, so on and so forth. So certainly, that's what I've always been looking out for. We've got these, you know, clinics that we're partnering with, hospitals, schools that we're partnering with, that might actually be able to use those particular resources. So Tanya shipped the first container time, and it was an exciting moment. We're able to use that to support multiple health facilities in in Mzimba North, together with the Mzimba North District Health Officer. So we, we, we distributed that. But then eventually that turned into a routine. Next, I think we had gotten two containers at one time containing, you know, a learning center materials, you know, equipment, supplies and all that. So all that has been something that has been, you know, amazing and awesome. It's been able to impact a lot of children and people in Malawi. I love that. So your partnership with AFCA continues to grow and you have the synergy of your programs that you're providing to youth. Tanya had mentioned the menstruation kits. We've been able to ship some of those over to your program too. Can you tell me a little bit about how that's changed the lives of some of the girls that are in your program? So that's one of our, um, you know, I'd say it's, it's something that has actually impacted, you know, a lot in terms of our programming. In Malawi, we still have got what I would call our term high menstrual hygiene poverty. You know, access to sanitary pads is still a challenge uh, for a lot of girls, especially those coming from rural uh, communities. And then there is also a lot of taboos that's around, you know, menstruation in general, where you know, it's difficult for girls who will not be in school just because they're menstruating, maybe during that time. So they only go to school just because of that. 
women would not even perform any productive activities during that time just because because of the taboos that surround it so mm. what we do as an organization we've got a program which is called demystifying periods the main aim is to try to you know address those particular taboos so work with the local leadership raise awareness and then boom comes tanya with these you know menstrual reusable sanitary pads that was a game changer for us because those were able to we're able now to supplement what we're doing because initially we're just talking you know just saying okay you need to do this you need to do this but then when this came in it meant that we are providing these girls these women with these kids that are life-changing so girls now do not have to stay away from school just because they're menstruating they can be able to go and they're able to use the reusable standard central parts women they're able to do work they're able to do whatever they can be able to do mostly mostly in the rural communities so uh, yeah overall it's been game changing for us it's been life changing for most of our target populations we've been able to couple that up with you also provide us with school kits you know they come with uh, these writing materials you know pens you know so some some notebooks that we've been able to supplement so it goes together and then it's enabling a lot of girls to remain in school and we believe you know it has enabled girls to be able to complete the secondary education um remain in school that's number one to complete the secondary education and then as we go we'll keep monitoring and be able to measure as to how many have actually been able to you know maybe even advance to carry on productive careers as well that's wonderful. It's really the core mission of AFCA's work is to create sustainable change. Even though it's a, a simple thing like a period kit, uh, educating girls who will become leaders and you know help the development of Malawi's country, that's just the core of it. That's amazing work that you're doing. That's so exciting to hear. Is there anything that you would say, what are some of the biggest challenges right now for Center for Youth and Development that you can see in the in the immediate future, like any future needs that you feel like aren't being met right now? All right, so when you're just talking about the sustainability aspects to it, one, one thing that was already coming to my mind is that we, we, we now we're able to get these kids coming from the UK or from the US coming over to Malawi. We've talked about it with Tanya before, but I think it's something that was affected by the COVID-19 and we would want to develop further is to try to set up an initiative where girls from these communities, especially young girls, young women, can actually be trained to even start producing these kids. So apart from producing these kids, they can be able to do other things in their own communities, maybe sew other clothes, so on and so forth. But in addition to that, they should be able to try to produce these more, more kids, you know, period kits for their own communities. And then that would ensure that there is that element of sustainability, that these things, they're not just coming from outside, but then they're also able to be produced locally. That's one aspect. The other aspect is... Uh, one approach that we have really embraced as an organization is to try to use digital learning, you know, as an approach to promoting education for these marginalized children and young people. So I think one key area is to try to, to get as many computers as possible. So these can be, re, re, you know, used computers that can actually be refurbished and then we can be able to get those, put them in schools, 
you know we can put them in schools we can put them in clinics we can put them in in community centers we can put them in organizations so across that at the end of the day we would have more young people being able to graduate who are computer literate, knowing how to operate a computer, but also they become to be important skills for higher education, but also maybe for future employment. So that's the other bit that we, that I think we can look into. Another bit is around, you know, the scholarships and bursaries. Access to education is in Malawi, as we all agree, it is has got ability to be able to break the cycle of poverty. But the access is not guaranteed. You know, school fees for secondary school is paid for. It might sound to be a small amount, but that particular small amount is a deterrent for some who are not able to attend just because they don't have that particular amount. So that's an area that we would be interested to look into as well, where we can be able to get more resources and be able to invest in it and do that. Otherwise, I think we can continue doing what the partnership is doing. You guys continue doing your best in terms of getting the medical supplies, school supplies, and everything. Continue shipping that over to Malawi. It is making a big, big difference in the lives of children, youth, women, and the larger population. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all that information with me. You certainly have the ingenuity and a, a bright future ahead of your organization. Listeners, if you'd like to learn more about this organization, you could visit the Center for Youth and Development, and I can link the web address, but we've got here again, James Gondway. James, thank you so much. You're welcome. And Hey you, thanks for listening along with us today. We'd love it if you left us a review or shared this podcast with your buddies. By doing so, you're sharing the stories of thousands of children that deserve to be heard. Stop by and visit us on Facebook or Instagram and say hello and let us know you're listening. You can also sign up for our good news alerts on www.afcades.org. Till next time.